Chapter 26 Deeply troubled, Joanna paced the apothecary garden in Chelsea, until darkness loomed in the eastern sky. She was bursting with the need to talk to someone, but now that she shared Gabriel's secret, she couldn't turn to anyone but him for solace or reflection, and she would never turn to him again. Bastard. It was so like an overseer to take an action they deemed necessary, no matter how the decision might affect a human being. It was so like an overseer to play God in a world where human beings didn't count. Gabriel had proved that he was just like all the other overseers. Joanna burned with outrage. Gabriel had certainly played God with her life. He had changed her forever, and perhaps not in a good way. To be fair, she knew he hadn't made his decision lightly. She knew that she counted a great deal to Gabriel, just not enough for him to perceive her as an equal in the decision-making process. She was finished with allowing others to direct the path of her life. Eva, Gabriel, the overseers. She'd had it. Maybe this was what Aidan Bannister had been feeling for years. Joanna flushed. Now that she knew the truth about Londo citizens and the overseers, she had to do something. She had to do something about the world she lived in. She had to throw in her lot with Aiden, and that meant she had to try to rescue him. She headed in the direction of Murphy's, a speakeasy a few blocks away from their apartment where Aiden met his mates in the evening. Surely his mates would help. Joanne had heard that to get into the hidden pub, she would have to use a secret knock. In the old days, she would have worried about this, but tonight she was too angry to trifle with details. If a knock wouldn't work, she'd kick down the door. Lucky for her and the door, she recognized an older man walking toward her from the opposite direction. He was one of Aidan's friends, Bob McKenzie. Seeing him was her first stroke of luck since the train wreck. Joanna, what are you doing out this time of night? He asked, taking her elbow. I came about Aiden. You shouldn't be here. He squeezed her elbow in warning. It's no place for you. I need to speak to you and your friends. The old man shot a hard stare at her face. She stared back, refusing to take no for an answer. I'm not leaving until I speak to your mates. Well, we can't talk on the street. Then take me in. Very well, but I doubt they will talk to you. He knocked two times, said Nikola Tesla, and the door creaked open on rusty hinges. Bob Mackenzie guided her across the threshold into a dark corridor. A burly man caught her by her other arm. Not so fast. She's with me. Bob Mackenzie said. He vouched for her, pulled her down a dark set of stairs, and guided her to a table where two other men sat, hunched over glasses of ale. What's she doing here? One of them asked, eyeing Joanna with suspicion. This isn't a place for girls. I'm not a girl. I've come about Aidan Bannister. Keep your voice down. Bob Mackenzie glanced over the smoke-filled room, checking to see if anyone had been alerted. 
He sat down, and a man in a cap pushed a full glass across the table. Thanks, Trout. Joanna slid in beside him and lowered her voice. I've come about Aiden. Something has to be done. We're handling it, Trout said. He was the youngest of the three and wore a tattered cap that covered his balding head. How? Joanna asked. He hangs in a couple of days. We have a plan, Trout replied. But there's no sense telling you. You might betray us. I never would. Can't trust anyone these days, the second man snapped. Joanna refused to give up. Are you going to try to rescue him from jail? No one can get into the central compound. Bob McKenzie shook his head. We learned that quick enough. You're going to wait until the day of the hanging? When he's outside the compound? Joanna stared at all three men. Then what are you going to do? Nothing, the man in the cap said, but he scratched the back of his head, which made Joanna guess that he was lying. So you're going to do something the day of the hanging? An ambush? The men exchanged dark glances. Didn't say that, the older man said. An attack in some way? Joanna put both hands flat on the table. Is that the only plan? What if something goes wrong? You'll have one chance to rescue Aiden. One chance. What if something happens? What if the overseers surprise you with another horrible trick? The man in the cap curled his lip and took a quick sip of ale. You have a better idea? Well, no. Then don't come in here and question ours. He glared at Bob McKenzie. Who is this girl? A friend of Aiden's. Ah, a friend, are you? He eyed her knowingly. A friend who wants to do something to help Aiden before it's too late. Well, citizen, when you come up with your master plan, you come back here and let us know what it is. Joanna flushed and jumped to her feet. We aren't enemies in this, you know. That's right, but this is men's work. There is no such thing. Oh, there is. And if you think otherwise, you need to go back to the schoolroom where you belong. Joanna's flush spread as her anger flared. Little did the man in the cap know that she could take his head in her schoolgirl hands and with one quick twist snap his scrawny neck like a twig. She stood fuming at the corner of the table. I came here to help Aiden. The three men looked up at her, their faces blank. I see. I shouldn't have bothered. That's right, Trout retorted, shaking his glass at her. And don't bother to come back. Let the big boys handle Aiden Bannister. Joanna's mounting frustrations propelled her through the night, frazzling her usual self-control. But the impending curfew and knowledge of what was hiding in the Londo shadows nipped at Joanna's heels as she hurried back to the tower. When she encountered a fellow citizen, she slipped out of sight. She hadn't heard yet if she had been implicated in the death of Citizen Mannion, so it was prudent to keep the lowest possible profile and not betray her tower hiding place. But she no longer worried about her physical safety if someone caught her after curfew. She doubted she would be in danger, even with a vampire. Although she had yet to 
test her theory. When Joanna arrived at the tower, she found Eva fast asleep. Her sister didn't stir until Joanna accidentally dropped a spoon while making tea. Eva sat up and rubbed her eyes. Joanna, where have you been? Looking for work. Joanna held out the mug. Want some tea? Thanks. Eva took the cup in both hands and blew the steam off the top. Did they take you back at Field 5? No. Why not? Joanna shrugged. Why is anything done around Londo? An understatement. Eva stood and watched Joanna brew a second cup of tea. So, no work this week? Probably not. Joanna glanced over her shoulder at her sister. I'll try again tomorrow. I could go to the mine and try. You need to stay out of public view until your arm heals. Joanna dropped the spoon a second time and swore under her breath. What is troubling you? Eva asked. Nothing. Nothing. You seem upset. It's nothing. Joanna shot her a dark look that she hoped would squelch all questions. But still, another one came. Is it Dr. Stone? Joanna picked up her mug while she guarded her expression. Why would it be him? You usually don't get upset at things. Only me. And this time, I didn't do anything. Joanna nodded but didn't respond. She was afraid she would blurt everything out to her sister. She was near to exploding with the need to share her news about the Londo upper crust. But she couldn't imperil the life of her sister for the sake of her peace of mind. So, that leaves Dr. Stone. Joanna shrugged and kept her eyes cast down. I know what you're going through. Men can be so upsetting. They can really get under your skin. You can say that again. Joanna sat down at the table. So, what did he do? Eva pulled out a chair. Nothing. He's just another bastard who thinks he should make all the decisions. Eva cupped her mug with her hands and stared down at the steaming brew. They are all alike. Joanna glanced at her sister, amazed. She recognized the moment for what it was. This was the first time she and Eva had talked as peers instead of communicating as parent to child. Do you love him? Who? Dr. Stone? Eva nodded. Don't be ridiculous. I've known him less than a week. Sometimes it happens like that. Well, in this case, that's not how it happened. So, do you love him? I never said that, Joanna stood up. And not to break off this scintillating conversation, but I've got to go water my garden. Up at the garden, Joanna fumbled and dropped things until she gave up the idea of working. She was still too distressed to provide care to anything, especially her precious plants. She sat on the edge of a planter box and dropped her head in her hands. Eva's question echoed in her thoughts. Did she love Gabriel? Of course she didn't. He was gentle and kind and was easy to talk to, but he had a way of putting her under a spell that blunted her defenses. That must be the vampire in him, or the result of their vampire bond. She didn't like it, and she didn't appreciate her choices being hijacked. Then again, 
He possessed a quiet strength that she knew she could count on, and, unlike most people, he listened. He not only listened with his ears, but with his entire being. His focus and care seemed infinite. But she would never ask Gabriel for anything again. She would never engage in conversation with the man either. He was a high-handed bastard who didn't deserve a second thought. Not to mention the fact that he wasn't even human. Still, his kiss had been a seminal moment in her life. She had never been touched with such tenderness. In Gabriel's hands, she had felt beloved, savored, blessed. Joanna closed her eyes and revisited the kiss, branding each minute into her memory so she could save it for the years to come. Gabriel might be a bastard in real life, but in her fantasies, she could mold him into anything she wanted, and there she would keep him to sustain her. As she sat there tormented by her thoughts, she saw a leaf blow across her boot and land next to a dead beetle. Joanna's vampire vision could see the creature clearly, even in the dark. The beetle lay on his back, with his legs bent inward, unmoving. But something about the insect caught her attention. His state of being didn't seem quite right. Was he dead? He appeared to be dead. Or was he just cold and unable to right himself? Joanna reached down and flipped the bug over. Within seconds, the beetle regained his faculties as well as his courage and skittered away. Something clicked in Joanna's mind. A memory flickered. The image of a purple flower with narrow leaves loomed in her thoughts. The word monkshood appeared before her eyes as if by magic. She blinked as her vampire-affected brain conjured connections she never would have made before. She was certain she had read about monkshood in Robert's Guide to Medicinal Plants. Why had the plant materialized in her thoughts? Joanna jumped to her feet, compelled to find the answer to her question, and headed for the penthouse. Maybe, if she reread the entry about monkshood in the book, all would become clear. <laughs>